Hello, you're listening to Thought Starters, a podcast on the business of creativity. I'm David Michon. This episode has been recorded virtually as we comply with recommendations to stay at home in the face of this pandemic. And it is home that is the subject of this episode, or rather, a museum in London dedicated to it. The museum is not new. Many of us know this Shoreditch institution well as the Jeffrey Museum. But come September, when we're likely to be let out of our homes, they'll be inviting us into a newly renovated version of theirs. Taking on the name the Museum of the Home, the former almshouses that are host to its collection have undergone an extensive architectural transformation and helped the museum shift how they present and talk about domestic life and what home really might mean. I'm Sonia Solikari and I'm director of the Museum of the Home. I'm Naila Yusuf, I'm writer and architects. I'm senior associate and project architect of the Museum of the Home Development. Sonia Solikari joined the Museum of the Home as director in January 2017, leading the £18 million capital development project to transform the museum and gardens. She was previously head of the Guildhall Art Gallery and London's Roman Amphitheatre and assistant curator of paintings at the Victorian Albert Museum London. Sonia is also currently co-director of the Centre for Studies of Home, a partnership with Queen Mary, University of London. Nayla Youssef is Senior Associate at award-winning practice Write and Write Architects, which specializes in working with historic buildings, museums, libraries, and archives. The practice is characterized by an acute sensitivity and intimate understanding of a site and its history. Its list of distinguished clients includes St. John's College, Oxford, the VNA, the Royal College of Art, and the National Gallery. Nayla leads the team working on the redevelopment of the Museum of the Home. So the uh, the project was really, I, th- I think, the real catalyst for it was the fact that our museum number, our museum visitors were rising, which is a great problem to have. But um, there were significant problems within the historic site and um, circulation within that site. So that really started to prompt us to think about how we made better use of the buildings and the campus. Um, also. Uh, in addition to that, there, you know, a lot of our collections were stored in not ideal circumstances. They were quite quite, quite packed in and quite um, compromised in terms of their, their, their storage. So that was a key um, aim for us to improve that. And then also to make more of the situation of the museum as well, because it's located right next to Hoxton Overground Station, which is becoming busier and busier every day, every week. Um, and so we really wanted to reposition the site a bit and take advantage of that. So they were some of the key drivers for the project. Yeah, so so we uh, right about started to work on the project in 2014 after the museum launch competition. Um, and as Sonia said, that there was an initial brief um, where the main agenda was significantly improving, improving public access to the museum and and the buildings and the collection. Um, but when we started looking at the project and the brief itself, um, we realised that through um, kind of working with the museum on their brief, we'd be able to protect the future of of the almshouses and, and also the collection. So it's kind of started this really lovely collaboration of of where the museum presented us with a brief, but it actually turned into something else in the end. And um, you know, certain elements of the project developed from those conversations, whereas they weren't originally in the brief, let's say. So 
there's now a green roof on top of one of the one element of the project and that wasn't there at the beginning but that that evolved through discussing with the museum what their ambitions were for the scheme as well and the other thing is that through um, early site visits and also studying some of their historic plans we realized that there were kind of clues in there as to what what the buildings originally were so we were guided through the proposals both um, by the museum but also by the building as well and that some of the things that had been done to the building historically um, particularly in the early 1900s needed to be um, reviewed and, and possibly put right and and the the end product which was um, a really great thing is that we were able to essentially realise most of the museum's brief within the existing buildings that they have on the site um, without having to kind of build a very large new gallery outside outside the grounds of, of the of the main museum buildings. Um, yeah, I think that was um, absolutely key for um, us wanting to work with Right and Right, really. I think it was their understanding of the historic buildings and wanted to bring them into, into use. Um, you know, one of the great advantages, I think, of of the Museum of the Home is that it's actually within a domestic environment and on a domestic scale. So um, we didn't realise it to start with, but actually, as Right and Right's design started to progress, that became more and more of a strength that we were um, lo- locating our theme within this setting. Yeah, and the building has so many, um, so many quirks, and it's very charming and that's a challenge, um, but also quite a, a joyous thing as well to work with. That uh, I, I really think that when you go to the museum, um, there, there are characteristics that you will recognise within the building and also the content um, and the objects of the museum that you'll recognise that you have possibly within your own home. And mm. that's certainly the case for the proposal, that there are, there are details and finishes and materials that... Uh, I'm confident that almost all visitors will recognise something of their their home life through through that visit. Yeah, I think it's um, it, it's been wonderful how many elements of the building we've um, revealed as as part of this development. You know, there's been there's been windows that we w- didn't know were there. There's been a, a, a coal chute in the basement. So it's almost as if the building is is starting to wake up and and tell its story. And so that's that's been a real joy to see as the building works have been progressive. Yeah, and one of the elements was that um, in the 1900s, all, all the first floors and stair calls at ground floor and first floor had been removed. So one particularly exciting moment of the project was when all the new first floors were put back in and mm-hmm. um, we were able to actually walk along the entire length of the first floor again. And we realised that that probably hadn't happened since the 1930s and that we were taking these new steps that that previously hadn't been done for at least sort of 100 years. Yes, I think, um, you know, thinking, you know, we always try and put the visitor first. And, you know, when visitors return to the site, I think they're going to be amazed, especially those who were familiar with the museum before it shut, um, because it's absolutely uh, preserved its its character and all the things that people love about about the the buildings, you know, their, their quirkiness, their, their, their history. Um, but there's just more of it. So as Nyla says, you know, people can go um, and explore floors that they will not have been up to. And that gives you a different vista out across the site as well. So suddenly you can see our wonderful gardens on Kingsland Road from a completely different angle. And um, yes, yeah, it's, it's, it's illuminating. The front gardens of the museum are actually, um, they're almost like a public park. So where green space is, is such a rarity in London, almost 
365 days in the year, um, you will see people eating sandwiches and things and their lunch <laughs> in the front garden. And it's it's such a great asset for for Hackney. Um, so and the and the proposals bring about um, a much stronger connection to the gardens because you can experience those views from the first floor, but also um in the in the lower ground floor as well, where we'd been able to to reinstate some some windows that had been historically bricked up. So um there were times of the day where uh, the lower ground floor was actually the new gallery space, which which we lowered by about a meter because we found that the um the footings were actually unusually deep for a building of that kind. So some very early trial pit investigations, which were kind of site surveys that we did right at the start of the project, established the precedent that the floor could be lowered without um, overly complex structural works, which then generated really um, you know, a good head height for the, for the new home galleries with, with these views out to the period gardens. Yes, I mean, for me, I think one of the most significant changes has been the reorientation of the site so you know as as Nyla was just saying the Kingsland Road gardens are a great resource for for our um, local community and visitors but um, actually rethinking the site and now having access direct from Hoxton Overground as well as from Kingsland Road so you can in effect enter the building in from two different sides whereas previously you could only enter from one side has been it's absolutely transformed the site and I think will transform the visitor experience around that but what it's done is opened up the gardens on the back and the front or the front and the back it's like <laughs> in fact we yeah. grapple with this what's the, what's the front and what's the back it's it's kind of more of an in in the round experience now yeah exactly and, and I think that um what we had previously referred to as the back garden the period gardens mm. there are within um so the connection that Sonia refers to from Hudson Station is a really important um hard landscaping element. So that's um addition of steps and ramps that is essentially an extension of the um of the street and just um, you know the normal street in in on the in front of the station. Um and but there are little clues within that design that hint the fact that you're in um in a site of domesticity or what used to be domesticity, but that is kind of a, a tip of the hat to what the museum collection is about. So there's references to um, domestic planting in there um, and um, um, things like net curtains um, where we've got a pattern from the museum on on um, an example from within their collection that will be applied to some balustrading there. And then the front railings are... Um, some really beautiful architectural metalwork, and obviously the the almshouses were bestowed by Sir Robert Jeffrey, um, hence the historic name of um, the, the the Jeffrey um, site. Um, so we, we've kind of gone back to that origin with the the some new metalwork to the front garden that takes that link back to the Ironmongers Ironmongers um, Livery Company. Yeah, I should probably say a bit about the history um, of the site because that's what we've all been, um, you know, it, it, it's what we've been embracing, but also has caused some of some of the challenges as well. Um, so the the site, the the almshouses were built in 1714, and they, as Nyla said, they were it was a bequest from Sir Robert Jeffrey um, and built by the Ironmongers, and the Ironmongers are a livery company of the City of London who represented Ironmongers trade. Um, and they were really designed as very early form of sheltered housing. Um, they could there were 14 almshouses in total, and when they were functioning as almshouses, they would have housed between 
40 to 50 pensioners. So these were people over the age of 56 who were in need of sheltered housing. Um, you were given preference if you had an association with the livery company, but anybody could apply to be housed there. Um, and so for a couple of hundred years, that's that's how they functioned. They, they were these domestic spaces. People lived um, within a, a kind of bedsit set up. So you had your, your bed and your cooking facilities and limited washing facilities within one, one space, about 13 by 15 feet. Um, and, you know, you came out into the garden. The garden was really the only communal space along with the chapel. And later there was a library. But otherwise, people were living, um, you know, in f- fairly fairly isolated within within these individual almshouses. Then, then um, in the nineteenth century, um, Shoreditch, that part of London, started to become um, less and less uh, rural. You know, there was there, there was more building around there, and it was felt that, um, you know, it it wasn't a great location for the pensioners. There are reports of the you know lo- locals throwing things over the walls and shouting abuse at the pensioners. And so the ironmongers took the decision um, to move, to close the site as an almshouse and move it out to Hampshire. And at that point, there was a uh, local campaign to save to save the building. Um, and it became a museum and it opened in 1914 and it was run by the um, London County Council. And in those early days, it was a museum of the local trade, which was the furniture trade, which was really big in that part of town. And um, over time, it's it's evolved more to talk about the domestic environment and finally um, this, the, the rebirth as, as the Museum of the Home. And the site's always been a place of change, um, as has kind of the function that's taken place within that building. So as a studio, we're really interested in the idea of sustainable heritage. So the almshouses were these Georgian buildings that were built, but over time, there have been these um, kind of quite eclectic additions that have been made to the grounds and kind of a timber additions that were added in the 1900s and then in the in the 20th century um the Branson Coates building which is this um you know um this postmodern horseshoe shaped addition and it's been a site that's responded really well to change and and it's it's all the more richer for it and and through the proposals which um, in terms of the new bold elements, we have two garden pavilions that occupy the, the back gardens and then the, the new entrance from Jeffrey Street. Um, we, you know, that's really in keeping with how the site has always been. It's always been a place of change and, and the function of, within the building, first from first some dwellings, then to a museum. And then um, with also a very strong educational programme that's taken place within, within the building and, and continues today through um, Sonia and her team. Uh, so it's a very robust organisation, the Museum of the Home <laughs> and its site and how it's continued to move with the times and evolve in, in this way. That's really that's really great and reassuring to hear because, yes, um, or, you know, especially in these times when, um, you, you know, the museum will have to, I think, really rise to the challenge of being a museum of the home during the the, the, the current crisis and, and what what that means for people. But um, yes, it has evolved, and it, and in fact, even during the course of this project alone, um, we have rebranded the organisation. So before we closed the museum to the public for for the redevelopment, we were the Jeffrey Museum of the Home, and we will reopen as the Museum of the Home. If I, in, in fact we are already functioning as that. And um, that change is really driven by um, the, the developments which 
um, we, we saw happening with the right and right scheme because it became increasingly obvious as we were working with with the site and the buildings and then the collections within the buildings that that we that we were a museum of the home and 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 we should we should just say that so it was something that happened really organically actually it didn't it didn't feel particularly forced in any way it seemed that it was part of all those changes that were happening as part of this project you're listening to thought starters a project by white city place in conversation are museum of the home director sonia salakari and naila youssef senior associate at right and right architects this episode has been recorded virtually So in, in terms of the evolution of the museum, in terms of its brand, before we closed to the public, the, the, the main mode through which we told the story of home were period room settings, which were hugely popular. Um, and in, in, indeed, they will still be there when we reopen, along with all the other things that we're offering. But mainly we were looking at um, middle class living rooms from 1600 to the present day. And that was really the way in for us telling that story. Um, as the project has opened up more of the site, we've got um, m- many more spaces in order to tell a much broader narrative of home. And I think it was having that uh, luxury of s- space to, to tell stories that really prompted us to think that uh, a rebranding was something that we should do. So um, the Right and Right scheme has created new galleries. These are these are at the lower ground floor. Um, we're calling them the home galleries. And they are thematic rather than chronological. So we uh, tell the story of what it's what it's like to um, make, keep and be at home. So by make, making home, we're looking at all the ways in, in which people set up what they might call a home. So perhaps you're living on a houseboat, perhaps you're a property garden guardian, perhaps you're homeless. Um, and these are some of the stories that we're, we're exploring. Um, with keeping home, we're looking at um, how it can actually be really hard to um, ma- maintain a home, and what does that mean in terms of gender relations and and housework? Is it something you enjoy? Is it a chore? Does it does it um, bring you happiness? Does it bring you anxiety? So we're bringing in the re- really the emotional element there as well, and then we move through to to looking at um, some of those relationships because I think for a lot of people. Um, certainly our visitors, when we ask them what home means, um, many of them talk about family and the people they live with. So that's a really crucial part of the story of home, um, as well as entertainment. You know, what do we do? What do we do at home, um, you know, to enjoy ourselves? But, um, you know, we're really keen not to just put forward a positive and rosy view of, of home. We, you know, we want the experience at the museum to be a positive one, but we're really mindful of the fact that home can be a negative as well as a positive experience. So we're bringing a, mi- a mix of those stories in and a, a much more diverse experience of, of home from what we've set up within those period room settings. So the, the home galleries have been absolutely key to the rebrand. I think if we didn't have the home galleries, we wouldn't be able to fully inhabit um, that identity as a museum of the home. And once we had that, everything started to roll and cascade out of that. And we started to really think about what it would mean to be a museum of the home. And um, we've got this wonderful physical site, but what about our, our digital sites as well? And how could we roll that out nationally and, and internationally in terms of having um, a conversation and um, a debate about what home means for people today? 
And it led to our new vision, really, to reveal and rethink the ways we live in order to live better together. And that better together was absolutely key for us because it gives us a, a social purpose. And it's really, we, we can't necessarily make all the changes. We can't necessarily come up with all the answers for what it means to live better together. But we can certainly form some really incredible partnerships in order to bring about, hopefully, real, real, real change in how people see and experience their homes. It's interesting you should mention that. The the museum actually, um, in the corner of the site, there was a, um, a former public house. It hadn't actually been a public house for at least 20 to 30 years. Um, and it was occupied by a, um, a design group who had kind of been custodians of the of the building for um for about 10, 10 to 15 years um but that that building was owned by the museum and part of the um part of the brief was to relocate the museum cafe so what was the museum cafe is now the reception space and that's where the new entrance from Kingston Road and Jeffrey Street connect you to which then displaced the previous cafe so the, the relocated cafe would occupy the ground floor of this former public house. And um, in order to um, cross-subsidise the scheme, uh, we came up with the idea of if we added a, um, a modest residential development onto the former public house and um, sold that uh, with a planning permission to, to a developer, that could be reinvested back into the, the capital project Um so actually, there are there are dwellings associated to the development, um, which is actually quite a unique model in terms of um, you know residential residential development cross subsidising a museum scheme. Um, I can't really think of any examples that exist in the in that way and that have been so self sufficient. But um, from 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 those dwellings, that you get amazing views out to the um, to to the museum grounds, but. The, uh, the the most important thing is that the, um, the the cafe at ground floor connects to the new entrance from Jeffrey Street. So when you come out of Hoxton, you kind of take a right turn, you go to the museum reception. But if you take a left turn, that gives you um, direct access to the museum cafe. And that development actually forms a really important bookend to the site. Um, and, and materially, because we've worked on both schemes and and also um, on refurbishing the um, the Victorian pub, um, it all ties in together as being kind of um, in keeping with the rest of the materials and the details that we've used on the rest of the project. Um, so there's there's grey London stock brick, um, bronze and timber and all those other finishes that we've uh, really enjoyed using on the main project. Yeah, I think as... Um... Nyla mentions the bringing, you know, crucial funds into into the main project through through that um, housing development was a really innovative and, dare I say, entrepreneurial way of thinking about museum funding. Um, I think a lot of museums have have been a bit wary of this this kind of commercial approach, but um, increasingly museums are being pushed to think think in these ways and you know come up with new ways of generating income. So. It, it was absolutely key to um, raising enough enough money for the project to go ahead. Yeah, and, and credit to the museum for um, for uh, working with us on on proceeding with it because it's actually um, it is very it is very unusual. And um, as I said, I don't know of any other museums that have entered into um, is such a, such a project. And it is really really a really enterprising thing to have 
uh, gone ahead with. Yeah, I think it's, um, you know, in terms of, you know, I was saying about how the project kind of brought about holistically the rebrand. It also brought about a lot of new behaviours within within the museum itself and risk taking has definitely been one of them. So the project has really pushed us, I think, to um you know, rethink what a museum could be and how we should work within that. And so, of course, you know, the collections are still absolutely key, but we we also think much more commercially about our offer as well. And actually what we haven't touched upon so far is how uh, the, the commercial possibilities that the re- redevelopment opens up on the site. So as Nyla mentioned, there's, there's, there is a this wonderful studio space which is right next to um, Hoxton Overground and which has direct access out to our gardens, which can be a beautiful space for hire. And it was absolutely crucial to us and also to some of our major funders, um, like like the lottery, um, that we were able to be sustainable in the future so that we weren't creating a site which we we couldn't maintain and continue to, to grow and develop, that actually there were opportunities there for um, generating our own, own income. Sonia, I have a question for you. Do do you mm. think your um your ideas on what a museum should be um has changed since you joined the museum and and has that perhaps evolved through the um through the rebranding exercise but also through the capital project? Yeah, definitely. I think that we we now refer to the whole space as a campus, which has actually been fundamental in changing how we perceive the site. So before the redevelopment, we were really, really focused on that main visitor journey down through those period rooms. And then you hit the cafe and the shop and maybe you continued in, into the Branson Coates set of period rooms and possibly down to the exhibition space. And that was really a very linear experience. It was very... Um, collections focused what the redevelopment has done with all of its myriad elements from the learning pavilion one end to the studio the other to the uh, cafe uh, uh, at the other extreme of the site and then opening up the site through the three levels is it's created a much more eclectic space and that's really liberated us to think about what a museum could be and we are now thinking about our program in a much more magazine-like format so much more dip in and dive in content um, as, as you might experience if you picked up a magazine, you know, maybe you just want to flick to the back and, and, and see the quick Q&A or maybe you want to dive in and, and read a whole article. And we're starting to really think about how we use the collections on site in that way and program in a much more festival like format. And the developments enabled us to do that because it's it's taken the focus off of this kind of single building and single narrative. And that has been a really liberating experience. That's really interesting. That it seems like what's come about is that the visitors just have um, the a much wider choice in terms of how they engage with the museum. So, as you mentioned, um, kind of the, the previous linear route. Obviously, now we've got um, the two circulation calls which have been added in, which now make kind of the vertical connection between the floors, which didn't really exist before, and equally. Mm. Um, visitors can probably just I mean and I'm sure they will just just go to the gardens maybe rather than just or to, or to the shop rather than having to go you know be there for three hours because they no longer have to necessarily go through this very long route yeah I mean 
you know, within within museums, um, people talk a lot about empowering the visitor. And it's not always clear about how that exactly happens. But when you take a site like the Museum of the Home and what we've done there, you can see how pre and post experience, um, you know, visitors have much more choice, much more agency on site, which is absolutely crucial to their experience going around. So when they, when they when they enter the site, they can now choose whether to go directly out to the gardens or whether to go down to the new home galleries or whether to go to our new exhibition space or whether to just pop into the shop and out again. Um, and I think that's going to be transformational for visitors, especially those who knew us before. But um, for new visitors as well, I think it will be it'd be wonderful that they can actually curate their own journey around the site in a way that they couldn't have before. That was a conversation between Museum of the Home director Sonia Salakari and Naila Youssef, Senior Associate at Wright & Wright Architects. This has been Thought Starters, a project by White City Place and DN Co., produced by David Michon, recorded and edited by Sean Crow. To find out how you can record your own podcast at White City Place, find us at whitecityplace.com, on Twitter or Instagram with the handle at whitecityplace, or shoot us an email at podcast at whitecityplace.com. And please subscribe to Thought Starters on iTunes. Give us a rating and write us a review. It really helps. Thank you. Until next time.